And uh, if you have your Bibles, let's go to the word of the Lord this morning, reading from the book of John chapter 6, John chapter 6, and I'm going to read a familiar passage of scripture here this morning, but I felt very strongly in prayer uh, to go this direction. And if this is a, a blessing to you today, let's give the glory to God. And if it's a, if it's a flop, let's give the glory to me. How's that? John chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is, is the Sea of Tiberias. A great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now remember, this is the Passover. He said that these may eat. In this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And so with the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, for the next few minutes, I just simply want to preach the few for the many, the few for the many. And I believe God's going to talk to us here today. If you believe that, why don't you join with me now, set your Bibles down, set your phones down. Let's lift up our hands and let's ask the blessings of the Lord upon the remainder of this service today. Thank you, God, for your presence. I do feel your presence. Lord, I thank you for the beautiful atmosphere that is in this place. Talk to us today, God. Speak to every heart. I pray, God, you would deal with every one of us this morning. And I pray your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let it be done, Lord, according to your purpose. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated and thank you for standing. My desire this morning is to see the Holy Ghost ignite a passion in this congregation that I believe is intended for a season of apostolic activity and revival that we've never experienced in our generation. I don't know if that rings true with you, so let me just say it again so you'll really hear me. I believe that God is trying to ignite his church to the greatest day of revival that we have ever known on the earth. Let me say it one more time because I feel like I'm casting the net just a little further and some of you are starting to grasp what I'm saying. I believe that this is the finest hour of the apostolic Jesus name church.
I, I want to echo something that Bishop Holmes said in passing last night, that we need to declare to ourselves that if we're looking to this world's governmental structure, political systems, our constitution, if we're looking to all of that for hope, I'm going to tell you today, there is no hope in man's institutions. There is no hope for this world outside of the apostolic Jesus name church. Amen. I want to say it again because I believe it from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. There is no hope in this world outside of this church. You might as well make up your mind today. It doesn't matter who gets elected, re-elected, installed, uninstalled. It doesn't matter the laws. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court does. The only hope that the world has, brothers and sisters, is you and I. The church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Now, if you, ought to, if you believe it, you ought to clap louder than you've talked about politics. You ought to shout louder than you've griped about oppression. You ought to let your faith rise above your fear and rise above the things that have been against you. Jeremiah said it like this in chapter 8. He said, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? And then he follows it in the next chapter talking about the impact of the condition of the nation that he is a part of. And he said, oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, and this gets to all of us now. He said, oh, that I had a wilderness, a lodging place of wayfaring men, that I might leave my people for they be all adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men. This is the the lamentation of a prophet who's looking over the decay of the society that he lives in and God's chosen people. And his response to this is, "I I can't cry enough to fix them. And the weight is so heavy. If I could just find a way to put some distance between me and them. We need to be careful that we don't start seeking escape when God needs us to engage. (laughs) I'm I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but I'm talking about an attitude that's creeping in. And I'm going to to preach to California apostolics because we're dealing with dynamics out there, but trust me, it's coming. It's coming because the Antichrist is coming. But I'm telling you that everybody's talking about, well, we just got to get out of here. You can move out of the location you live in. You can move to a different place. But brother and sister, you and I cannot escape the need. 
You, you can load up your four-wheel drive, put your tent on it, get all your off-road gear, and you can go overlanding in the wilderness for three months, but you can't get away from what's going on right now. I'm here to present to you that the world is in crises, and they're standing right in front of us, and what God needs is the people that he is called by his name to step the forefront and say we have the answer for the problems that you're facing. I wish we'd just clap for the Lord right now. I know some of you are on the fence. I know some of you are probably waiting for me to get to the good part. And I'll do my best to keep preaching. But we got to make up our mind right now. We're going to be the people that God is looking for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can't run. We can't hide. I, I've, I've, I've never in my day, and I'm not saying this to boast, I've never prayed for preachers and churches more than I'm praying right now. I'm not praying God get them out of it. I'm praying God embolden them in it. Put a hot coal on the tongue of every preacher. They can come put a, they can put a chain on your front door, but they can't stop you from stepping out on the sidewalk and saying, if I can preach it in there, I can preach it out here. If God will move in there, he'll move out here. Come on, saints of God, don't be critical. Don't be skeptical. Don't be nitpicking. You got to yoke up with your man of God. You got to yoke up with the evangelist. You got to yoke up with a missionary. Got to get under the burden of the hour. It's time to engage in the ministry of the gospel. But it's like, it's like Andrew said, and this is the way it is, boy, I've wrestled. I, re- I wrestled a lot about what I was going to say and not. I, there's a whole process to getting ready to preach. It's, you get what you're supposed to say, but then you want to say it right. <laughs> and you want to be pure in your delivery. Because no matter how hard we try, the message is tainted by the, by the messenger. And so I want the message to be tainted with his glory and with his purpose and with his kingdom. But the question demands, what are these among so many? That's all we've got. I'm telling you, I've, I've, I, God has woke me up two mornings. I really want to sleep. <laughs> I kind of feel like he can talk to me about 10 as well as he can about five. Because five here is three my time. Now, God, you're kind of being rude. I'm kidding. But I wrestle because there's so many things I feel to say, but I want to make sure I'm saying the right things. Because the word of God is a key. And if I can get the right key today, this thing will unlock in all of us. It'll unlock in every one of our hearts.
But I, was, I have just been recently, I got an answer to prayer. But it wasn't the prayer. It wasn't answered in the way I wanted it to be. The first of the year, the end of the, the, the year for me is always a time of just, I've just done it. I evaluate. And I come to the end of the year and I start looking, God, did I really put myself into your kingdom? Did I really do my best? And then I start adjusting. What can I do better? What can I give more of? Can I, can I do anything to stoke the flame of revival in my own spirit in my church? And in that season, I just begin to say, and I felt like I was going back to my early years of ministry where I sought God. I said, God, I want you to anoint me. And God, I want you to stir me up. I don't want to be asleep in this season. And I've said this, God, I don't ever want to get to the place where you got to take what you've blessed me with to get my attention. I want to be what you have called me to be. Not by force, but willingly. And they said, when you, when you and I'm, I'm paraphrasing this whole thing, he said, when you prepare ministry in the temple, you, you're going to use olive oil and you can get olive oil from an olive by just crushing it. But he said, I don't want that olive oil for ministry. He said, I want the oil first beaten. I want that first pressing, just a little bit of pressure. I don't want the olive destroyed. I'm just going to put the olive under pressure. And when that oil comes out, you set that oil aside for ministry. You can go ahead and crush it. And you can use that olive oil for your food or whatever else you want. But when it comes to my things, I don't want to have to crush you to get out of you what I need. And I said, God, I want you to stir me up. And you don't have to take one thing from me. I'll go stir myself up. The prophet said, there is none that stirreth up himself towards God. We always want to come to church and make God stir us up. When's the last time you said, God, I'm going to stir myself up so much? <laughs> and I said, God, I want you to stir me up. I want you to, I want you to, I want a fresh burden for your world. And I didn't know, but God was going to answer it just a few, a few weeks ago. And I'm not going to go into all the, all the details. It's too long. But I'm going to tell you that we encountered a situation in our church. And, and we had to deal with it. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. And so I asked Seth, I said, ride with me. And we had to drive a couple of hours to go deal with this situation. When we got there. I had no idea God was answering prayers. God will answer your prayers. He'll answer your prayers. Just don't tell him how to answer your prayers. 
And I'm going to tell you that I'm standing here before you today, and I say this in all sincerity and humility. I really don't care what you think about me right now. My main concern is, God, how do you see me? Because if I'm right with him, I'll be right with them. (laughs) And I'm bearing my soul before you, thank God. And I'll get to this. I don't want to preach too quick because I feel a very methodical spirit upon me today just to convey what God has put in my spirit. But I'm going to tell you that we stood there. Literally, I walked into this house and there's a 32-year-old mother strung out on meth. She's tweaking. And I'm bringing this son back to her home because he said, it's where I feel safe. I walk out of there and I'm shell-shocked. I'm shell-shocked. We've dealt with bus ministry for years. We've had stories come. You know, if you're, if you're in the, I heard a preacher say it like this. I've stolen it. I've used it. If you don't like mud, don't pray for rain. If you don't like messes, don't pray for revival. They'll mess up everything. But it's good messes. If you want everything perfect, just be quiet. But if you want revival, it's going to mess you up. Yeah. It's going to mess you up. <laughs> And we're driving. Are you ready? I'm not even going to say the name of the church. It's not their fault. It's one of the most prominent churches in Pentecost. And we're driving. Now this other child, 14 years old. And I'm just, I'm just shell-shocked. I've just delivered somebody to the mouth of hell and put them in hell. And I'm driving this house, so I just start asking questions. You know the little thing I can say to this little girl is? Baby, just don't get pregnant. <laughs> just, just don't mess your life up. We're driving. And I start asking, what, what am I? I'm thinking, where am I taking them? I said, I, I want to see your mom. I, I just got to put a face with an adult. I'm, I'm escorting this minor in. She says, she texts, she says, she's not, she's not going to feel like seeing you. She's not feeling good. She just got back from having an abortion. What are these? What is this to so many? And I hope I don't shock you today. We drive up and I'm asking more questions. Because now I'm just, I'm on this roller coaster. She tells me, Seth, am I telling the truth? She tells me, my mama signed off my rights to the state. She don't want me. I'm taking you back to the lady that doesn't want you. What are these? When we stand on the abyss of this bleak, collapsing world. How can I save that one? Two blocks from an apostolic church. <laughs> and she gets out of, her, out of the truck and sees her sister 
who her mom is kicked out because she's in devil worship. And she gets out saying to her sister, we need to go and starts calling the church by name. We need to go. You can almost see the tops of their Sunday school buses from their house. You know what I'm preaching to us right now? They're all around us. You know why I tell you that story? Because I'll never be the same. And I'm not concerned if you like it or not. I'm telling you that I like it. I like it that I'm concerned. And before you get caught up in my emotions today and think this is dramatic, the Sunday morning they sat in my church, I had no idea they were there. Pentecost Sunday and I'm just preaching what the Holy Ghost tells me to preach. And I'm up there and I just keep feeling God say, tell them, tell them suicide is not the answer. And I step up to my pulpit and say, I don't know if you're here. I don't know if you're watching online, but I'm just going to tell you, suicide is not the answer. You matter. God cares about you. Don't you do it. Not knowing that that 16-year-old boy's parents had told him, why don't you just kill yourself? But here, in our hopelessness, and we feel like, what are we going to do? Well, I'm going to tell you what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to obey the Holy Ghost. Because if we'll get in the Holy Ghost, there is an answer for the problem. If we'll get in the Spirit, if we won't set up a dead, dry church, if we'll pray and fast for the move of the Holy Ghost, God will reach them. I'm going to tell you something. We're not sufficient. Let's just look a little closer at us today, okay? Let's just take a little deeper look. I want you to, I want you to recognize something. We can't do it. But Jesus can. And if we read in the book of Luke, chapter 8 and verse 43, we find there's a woman with an issue of blood. And she is found financially broke. She's decimated, discouraged, desperate, without any hope. And Jesus says, boys, just slow this train down for a minute. I got to let somebody catch up with me. Are you ready? He's not even phased that he's her last hope. He was going to be her only hope, whether it was the first hope, the last hope, the middle hope. You know what he's telling us? I am her hope. And you know what he's telling us? I'm not going to outpace the need. 
I'm going to say it again. He's not moving too fast through your church to not stop and help somebody. And we need to pray to God to help us to slow down and not be in such a hurry that we can't help somebody. He's not offended that he's last. He's not offended that she can't do it on her own. He's not offended that there are, there's deficiencies. Uh, he's not put off. He's not pushing them. I want you to just hear me for a few minutes today. I'm going to tell you that God is not looking at us uh, the way that we're looking at ourselves. Uh, he's not looking at our church uh, the way we're looking at our church. Uh, he's not seeing us uh, the way we see us. Uh, he's looking at us the way he looks at himself. Uh, you are enough. Uh, you are sufficient. Uh, you can't do this. Uh, you can't touch this them you can be the miracle come on let's throw up our hands right now and let's just stretch ourselves come on just stretch yourself right now the homes here feed little rock go ahead meet all their needs you just go ahead you reach your city here you go feed your city Feed Dallas. Evangelize the world. Come on, reach them all. I know you want to. Here, the whole city's yours. Go feed them. What are you going to do when all you have is a few? Go ahead, reach them. Feed them, meet their needs. Put their marriages back together. But before we jump off that cliff, stop. From the very beginning, God showed us. You've never been enough. Creation. The Garden of Eden. Perfect. Perfect. And in the middle of the garden, when all of God's perfect creation comes marching by, there's Adam with his head hanging down. Because there's nothing for him. God says, I created you with deficiency so that you could learn right out of the gate. I'm the only one can get you through those things you don't know what to do with. Go to sleep. Wake up. Meet Eve. Because when he puts his hands on it, do I have time to talk about Noah? 
He has no friends. And he's got a command. And he preaches for 120 years. And only his children come. Can I tell you about Moses and Aaron? They have no governmental experience. And they get there to tell the greatest superpower of the world to let his slaves go. And even the people of Israel look at him with skeptical eyes. But it was enough. Gideon, smallest family, smallest tribe, no pedigree, no experience, no resources, no weapons. And Gideon is ill-equipped. He's outmanned. He has no formal training for war. All he has is a divine call. But when you, re- when you heed the call, he starts equipping. You just got to hear what the Spirit's saying right now to some of you. you it's, it, listen, I know what some of you are listening. You ready? You, listen, listen. This is what you want to hear. Go to foreign soil. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, go to your next door neighbor. <laughs> yeah. He is equipping you already. And here's God working now with creation that's been deficient from the very beginning. And I've just come to tell you again, like you've heard time and time again, the devil is still a liar. You don't need the best music program to have revival. You don't need a building on a prominent freeway to get revival. You don't have to have the greatest prolific theology understanding to have revival. You don't have to have anything but Jesus and a call on your life. Come on, you ought to throw your hands up right now and say, I'm going to have revival. I'm going to have the revival that God wants me to have. Believe it or not, I'm hurrying to try to get this thing wrapped up. But I'm going to tell you that David steps into the valley. Brother McCoy, he's just a shepherd boy. But he has an anointing. And he has promises that are bigger than his adversary. You know what my personal theology is, Brother McCoy? When he ran to that giant... He wasn't looking at at the giant's head. He was looking at the promises looming up behind that Philistine. He ran up and said, this is an uncircumcised heathen. He doesn't have a promise. He don't have an anointing. He doesn't have a covenant, but I do. And so I'm going to run right through him. I'm going to run right to the throne. I'm going to run right to victory. I'm preaching to some of you right now. You need to start paying attention. God's got his hand on you. God has made you promises. It's time to rise to the occasion. Is it any wonder that the Gospels tell us this story? Every one of the Gospels tell us story. Matthew tells us in 14, Mark tells us in 6, Luke tells us in 9, and John tells us in 6. But here's the story. It's not the feeding of the multitude. 
The story is I am enough. Feed your city. You know what he did? He said, I'm going to prove them because I already know what I'm going to do. Feed them. How are we going to feed them, God? One loaf. I already know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm not asking you questions that I need answers to. I'm just finding out if you're thinking like I'm thinking. I just want to know, do you see the possible out of the impossible? I just want to know, can you see into the future, John Shoemaker? Can you see a little girl on a pew with her husband and her children? Her mama gave her away to the state, but the gospel kept pursuing her until she served me. Come on, I want to challenge you right now. Can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see it? He already knows what he wants to do. Woo. <laughs> the prophet said, God will work. Who will let him? This isn't part of my message. This is not even in my notes. This is just free. Paul, if you go back and study Paul's journey to where he gets to the book of Corinth and he's at, he's at the Corinthian church and God visits him in a dream and says, be not afraid. I'm not going to let him. You have to understand, we preach about it all the time. This is the, this is the statue to the unknown God. We don't read the end. He got all prolific. You know, he's right near you and he's looking for you. They laughed him to the point where he walked off. They, they persecuted him in Berea. They persecuted him everywhere he went. And he was so shook up that the only way God could get him to preach again is he had to visit him in a dream. Say, Paul, I want you to preach the gospel and don't worry, I'm not going to let anybody else touch you physically. And then he said, I want you to get up because I have much people in this city. I had a plan and you got in yourself afraid and you started getting out of my plan. But my plan is so involved with you that I've got to have you get back up. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I've got to have you get back up because i got much people in this city. That means God's already been talking. God's already been walking. He's already been giving them dreams. When you were sleeping, he wouldn't let them sleep. When you were having a good meal, he wouldn't let them enjoy their food. God was at work by the ocean. God's knocking doors. God's knocking hearts. God's reaching. He's got people he's after. And here's where we got to get the enemy behind us, under us, and out of the discussion. You and I are not going to make revival happen. 
We just have to be the thing that God utilizes to activate the revival. I, I, I put this in my notes twice and took it out twice because it sounds like I'm, I'm trying to share wisdom that's, you know, something. It's not. Tasha and I went to start a church in Hollister, California in 1996. And we went there. We didn't know anybody. We, at the t- when we felt to go, we knew nobody. I would tell you how, how literally I felt the call. It was a Monday morning, and I had two other men in our church that we played golf with every Monday morning. And our little deal was we would try to go and tee off. I think I was just telling Brother Robinson about this. I didn't tell you about this. I didn't try to spiritualize golf. So all you don't believe in golf, it really does exist. But we're driving. I'm, I'm tired. It's Monday. I'm sitting in the back seat. I'm letting them drive. And they're just talking. And I'm in a fog. I'm just like, I got a Monday morning Holy Ghost hangover. It's kind of, when we get into, we drive, Hollister's an hour, hour and 10 minutes from where we live. And we drive. And we go in this little town. And I'm just sitting there. I've been to Hollister all kinds of times. I couldn't tell you. There was a motorcycle park. I used to drive my dirt bikes outside. I had a cousin. I had a ski boat. We were partners. I'd have to go pick the ski boat up to go ski. I've been to Hollister a lot of times. But you see, you can be in the neighborhood a thousand times. But when you go in the frame of mind God wants you to be in, everything looks different. So I'm just driving along. This is God's honest truth. And I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, as I'm just zoning out, we're just driving another. I'm seeing people walking down the street. I'm just sitting. All of a sudden, I go. And I sit up, and I don't see people. I see souls. I see souls. And before I can even think it, because both of them felt like they had a call to preach, and this may be a message in itself, both of them are backslid today. I said to them, one of you needs to come start a church in this city. There's a revival in this city. And they both said, no, I'm not starting a church here. You start a church here. I said, and I, I play golf like this all day. I'm not, I just like, all I can think of is, there's souls in this city. There's, where's your ball? I don't care. I got another one. That's literally the way I play. And I go home, and it so impacted me. I go to Tasha, I said, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. But I think maybe God's talking to me about starting a church in Hollister. We need to pray about this. And so here we are. We go. 1996, we go there, and, and I, I'm working, running a, a business, trying to get a business started, supporting the family, and it's all, it's all exciting. Everything's first. Everything's new. Our first building was an old tattoo parlor. It was great. Cutting edge home missions. My second one was a bar. I'm ghetto. That's where the best revival is. Don't look for a better neighborhood. Turn your neighborhood around. It's called the divine lift. Quit looking for better property. Have revival right where you are and turn it around. This is what I figured out. And I'm up praying before I go to work. It's crazy. It's, it's hectic. It's like dawn, before dawn to after dark. And finally it hits me one day. God called me here because he needed a church. But more importantly, 
He needed to work me over. And so he called me, and while I'm doing what he told me to do, he is whooping my hide on a regular basis. And this is what I'm going to tell you. When God calls us to do something, he doesn't call you because now you're a superstar. He calls you because you're a knucklehead. And he's going to put his hands on you. And he's going to empower you to do his work. And he's going to work on you. You know what I found out? The more I let him work on me, the more he works in my church. The more I let him work on me, the more our church grows. The more I let him work on my spirit, the more people are filled with the spirit. Quit waiting on God to fix your church. Just tell God, why don't you just work on me while you're working in this church? You just work on me and I'll just go work for you. And that's free too. In ourselves, we're not capable. Let me tell you a story. Only 12 pages of notes left. We're getting close. (laughs) Don't worry, I may get bored before you do. There was a missionary who went to China. I believe this was in the the late 1800s, the early 1900s. And he went to China, obviously pre-communism, and he began to establish a work. And he had immense success. He was tremendously successful. He was so successful that a major corporation was going to expand their business into China. And somebody said, you ought to get this guy because he's he's the real deal. He's good. And so the corporation sat down with him, invited him in. They sat down with him and they said, we'd like to hire you to, to run this venture. And they offered him a very, very substantial salary. For that era. And he said, well, I'll, I'll think about it. He comes back and he says, no, I'm not going to take the offer. And I'm, I'm, I'm abbreviating a very detailed story. And so they, they go back to the drawing board and they come back and they realize, we need this man. And so they come back and they say, listen, we're going to raise the salary. Now they're lifting the salary up to above what most people are making in the world. Would you come to work for us? And he says, no. So they kind of go back. They come back and they say, we got to have this guy. They come back and they say, we'll give you more money. few more points. Are you ready? 
It's okay to be too small. I'm throwing it to them because I'd throw my arm out throwing it to you guys. It's okay to not be enough. I wouldn't let them steal my revival either, Brother Urshan. Make Brother Holland go make his own bread. <laughs> I'm not glorifying struggle, and I'm not going to glamorize def- deficiencies, but I'm going to tell you right now, we got to get this revelation. This thing's not hinging on our abilities. This thing is hinging on his capabilities. But before there can ever be victory, there's got to be honesty. There's got to be some transparencies. There's got to be some people that will look up to heaven and say, what are these among so many? What am I to my city? What am I to the people around me? What am I? What am I? (laughs) What am I, God? Well, let me tell you. God has a plan. Now hang on, those of you that are bored, we're almost done. The first thing we're going to find out is before God will ever disperse the miracle, there must be order. And this is where this bumps up against this loosey-goosey, free-thinking, everybody's equal, communistic theology. God has order. I don't care if you not. If you don't like it, go ahead and fail. But if you like it and you believe it, just get ready to succeed because God has order. He said, before I'll do anything, you get them sat down. I want them divided up. I want them sitting in groups. I want them in structure. I'm telling you right now, you are already positioned for the miraculous. God gave you a pastor. God gave you a church. God gave you a brotherhood you are already in position for the miraculous Woo! I want to tell somebody put your gripe about your church put your gripe about how small your building is and just get your dancing shoes on and say here comes revival here comes revival here comes revival don't you ever let the adversary Put shape and form on why we go to church. I go to church because I'm getting in order. There is no telling what God's going to do because we're here. Home missionary, just go back and get all three of them. Because he didn't say how many had to be there. He just said, get them in order. Get in your living room. Oh, yeah, we taught Bible studies in the living room. And it expanded. I've told this before. People were coming. Now, some were coming because they wanted the Bible study. And some were coming because they knew the lady hosting the Bible study was making fresh apple pie. I don't care. You still got to hear my Bible study. I'll get you here. I remember one service, 
One, I, I called it service. It was a Bible study. The Holy Ghost got to moving. And, and we, here I was sitting in the dining room. And I mean, I felt like Jesus backed up against the seashore, but there was no seashore behind me. It was a dining room table. And so God got to moving. And there was a lady. She was coming. And she'd come in last. And so her seat on the floor was right in front of the door. And they'd open the door. And she sat down right there. She was riding her bicycle all the way across town. She was fighting clinical depression. She was a lesbian. She had short hair and a long tail down her back that was dyed the rainbow flag. And she was sitting by the door. We were all in order. And I'll never forget the Holy Ghost got to moving. And I said, I got to go pray for her. I was doing this right here. Excuse me. (laughs) Getting over all those people. And I got over that corner. I got down in her ear. I said, what you're feeling right now. She's sitting there stoic. Not an expression on her face but I can see leaks. <laughs> you know what that was telling me right there? I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm not happy. I'm miserable. I'm, oh, I'm so glad you told me that. I went over and got near here. I said, what you feel right now is the Holy Ghost. God's talking to you. God's reaching you. God wants to save you. I don't know what God's going to do for you, but I can tell you God's going to do something for you. And we started praying, and she started crying. She didn't know how to pray. I said, just say Jesus. And she just sat there with her tears coming down her face saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to tell you, she got the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, God will work. Who will let him? You got to get out. You got to get bold. And you gotta get in order if you want revival. You need a pastor, you need a local church, you gotta cooperate. Woo, let me preach about that. You gotta cooperate with the gathering. It doesn't matter if the pastor told somebody to tell you or the pastor told them themselves. You better just do what's being told in the order because God's wanting to move. Don't be a knucklehead. Don't be a hardhead. Don't be self-willed and stymie what God will do. The second thing is that God had to bless them. Are you ready? I'm not done enough for you to stay standing. So you better sit back down. I'm close, but I'm not gathering around the front and have a mosh pit close yet. You'll just be flat, slap out tired. Listen, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would. But the other authors all said like this. Jesus took the loaves and he blessed them. He blessed them. The blessing is on us. We are blessed. Brother Holmes, we're blessed. We are so blessed. We're at ease in Zion. God's blessed some of you so much, you just use any little excuse to go on vacation. 
I'm not waiting on your applause. I'm waiting on you to get the revelation. We're so blessed. We'll empty out our bank accounts, bring $100,000 checks. God will bless us coming in. God will bless us going out. He'll bless you when you're laying down. He'll bless you when you're standing. He'll bless you if you're upside down. He'll bless you if you're right side up. He's the God of blessing. Come on, some of you need to shout it out right now. I'm blessed. Come on, don't, 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 don't hide it. Don't hide it. He can take it away and you'll say, God bless me. But if God's blessed you, you ought to jump up and say, I'm already blessed. I'm already blessed. I've already got it on my life. He's already blessed me. Never has there been a church like this church right now. Not, not, I'm not talking about Little Rock. I'm talking about the church at large. We are blessed. They shut us down last year. They still won't open us up. Yeah. Best financial year our church has ever had. I just got a word for the enemy. You can't touch this. You can't stop this. The blessings don't, they don't come through you. The blessings don't have to get hell's permission. Come on, I want to know, are there any blessed people in the house? Are there any blessed people in the house? You ought to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm a blessed person in the hands of God. Beautiful buildings. Beautiful cars. Drive out in the parking lot. It looks like a car lot. Handsome, beautifully dressed people come in. Everybody goes, where are you going? To church? What? Yeah, I tell our church, I don't wear this to eat steak. I'm not getting anything on my tie. I wear this to church. This is my best place to come. I dress up not to impress you. I dress up because I want him to know, oh, I am so grateful. I, you have done so. I'm going to put on my best. I'm going to put on my best when I come to church. I'm going to put on my best when I get to the house of God. If all you got is a good t-shirt, put on your best t-shirt and come to the house of God and lift up your hands and declare, I am blessed. I'm blessed. Yeah, we got it good. We sure do. Vacations, retirement accounts, investments, children in good schools. Nice, nice, blessed. And what happens is we get blessed and we go, I have arrived. I'm blessed. 
everything the preacher says. You say, I'm blessed. There's one God. I'm blessed by that one God. We need to pray. I pray and I get blessed. Everything's connected to blessing. But blessing was never intended to be destination. It's a part of the process. Before he can feed them, he's got to bless them. The next is, and this is where it gets really difficult for all of us. As he said, I'm going to bless it, and then I'm going to break it. So we're all blessed. And we shouted, I'm blessed. And it's too late to change your story. And so he says, we have a mission. I need you. And we see all these fragments. And you know what we start doing? God, would you deal with my pastor and have him bring Brother Marks because I need a healing. I'm broken. And I'm not being little. He's just the evangelist in the front row. He can't heal you. And we start saying, I just saw another evangelist. I'll pick on him a while. We start saying, we need a good revival, Brother Sullivan. Because there's just some people in our church. They're just going through things. They're struggling. Brother Jennings, they just got, they got issues. We, we, need, we need a move of God. Because Seth, we need God to put some things back together. Yeah. And God says, no. I blessed you so I could break you down. Because we got a multitude to feed. Not a I'm right party to have. And we too many times get hung up on I'm right party. We're blessed. Blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. Blessed. And God says, that's awesome. I did it for a reason. But now here comes my purpose. My purpose is... My strength is made perfect in weakness. I'm going to feed the, I'm going to feed the multitude with you. I'm going to break you down. Oh, you're not going to stay the way you want to stay. You want to stay. You want to stay a certain way, but I want you to go in that village. I need you to get me a colt that no man has ever read, and I want you to bring it back to me. And if they say, why are you stealing my colt? You just say, the master has need of thee. Yeah. Well, I'm just telling some of you right now, before you get too deep in this, God has need of you. He's not going to heal you. Our brokenness is not to be healed. It needs to be embraced. Are you ready? Without him, we can do nothing. 
It's easier to believe with a big piece than it is a fragment. And God will put fragments in your hand and say, go feed them. How am I going to feed them? There's, there's too many. Yeah, but as long as you let me work on you, I can multiply. I can break it. I can get it refined so fine, so detailed. What's happened in Pentecost is our brokenness has become our because. We need some folks to help us with a new bus route. Well, I'd get involved, Pastor, but, but you know, I'm just really going through some things right now. Yeah. I really can't do a lot right now, Pastor, because just things are falling apart. Have you ever thought they're not falling apart? Have you ever thought maybe they're being taken apart? Have you ever thought that maybe God's got his hands on you? And this isn't bad. This is producing something. And until we let our because become our cause, I need some people to start a bus route. Um, I'm limping, but I'll get out there and give it a shot. I want revival. Just don't break me. I want revival. Just don't strip me down. I want revival. Just don't give me cancer. Come on. Let me tell you something. There was not one whole piece that was distributed. The miracle was made up of broken pieces. All of them under the hand of the Creator. I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through. Well, did you pray for revival? Come on. Yes, sir. Broken pieces. And this parable of feeding the multitude is in every gospel. And we don't really get it until he gathers them in the upper room and he grabs a loaf of bread and he says, this is my body broken for you. As oft as you do it in remembrance of me, you do show the Lord's death until he come. If we're going to get this done, everybody's got to be broken. Oh, no. That ought not to be applause. That ought to be a petition. Put your hands on me. Oh, it's not that loud of a cry because I'm being honest with you. None of us really want him to break us down. We just want to see the multitude fed. We just don't want to be the piece that's disassembled and distributed. Can I preach about the last thing? Is distribution. There's order. There's blessing. There's brokenness. 
And then there's distribution. If this thing's going to go, it's going to go the way God wants it to go. It's going to go on the backs of the ministry. And he gave it to the disciples. And he said, now go feed it to the people. They're already in order. I just need you to hand it out. The problem is, as a church, we're hampered by our wholeness. And God wants to distribute, and we're fighting for survival. We got to hold it together. We're under attack. No, you're not under attack. God's trying to get you distributed to your city. And I'm just going to preach it. I'm not looking for a brawl, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. But if this offends you, you can repent. Because I'm right. God has never birthed the church that wasn't intended to have revival. I'm going to say it again. Every church, every Jesus name church was intended to have revival. It was intended to have impact. You got to take those thoughts and those thinkings and those attitudes and you got to put them on the altar and you need to embrace the will of God. It's the will of God to have revival. It's the will of God to have increase. It's the will of God to reach. Our wholeness, our wholeness, if all is well with us, then all cannot be well with our mission because the mission requires brokenness. Broken vessels. I thought about it, but this is such pretty carpet, I wouldn't do it. Broken vessels leak. What's inside of them? And you're trying to hold it all together. And God's trying to get you to let it fall apart. Because we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency may be of God and not of us. God's trying to get out through you. God's trying to get out through me. And we're trying to hold it together. And I'm hurrying to a close, believe it or not. We're trying to hold it together, and God's trying to let us break it up a little bit. You know what? We're standing at the cusp of the greatest hour we've ever known. The greatest hour. I can't testify. I know there are a multitude of churches that have testimonies because I've heard a few of them. All I can tell you is some of the stuff that's happened to us. You put us outside of our building, we'll pray them through on the parking lot. You put us inside the building, we'll pray them through in the pew. You can't stop this. We're not falling apart. We're leaking anointing all over our city. I I, I may have preached this last year, I don't remember, but we were going to, you know, uh, that little group of of uh, upset people, BLM went through downtown San Jose once. 
And then all those hooty tooty technocrats said, we don't like our city messed up. No more rioting. They'll tear your city up, but they're not going to mess ours up because they live there. And so they had spray painted and torn up. And so we got the idea, let's go engage. We couldn't run our buses. We couldn't have Sunday school. Let's go. So Seth headed up this group of people, probably about 40 people, I think, and they all headed downtown to go, to go wash off spray paint. We're Pentecostal. We don't care. We're just going to go do it. And we told everybody, wear some shirt or something that's connected to our church because we got, we got bus shirts and Sunday school shirts and hoodies. <laughs> I could tell you a funny story about the last census. They asked our church because we were so connected to so many families. They said, would you help us get the word out on the census for the United States? We said, absolutely. They said, what, what do you do? They said, I said, we're going to make up a sweatshirt. And, and we'll put the census information on the sweatshirt. They said, okay, what are you going to do? I said, we're going to make hoodies. And we're going to put the census from the government on one side. And we're going to put our church on the other. They said, that's a great idea. So we took the hoodie, lifted the hood, and put in small caps, United States Census, right back here on the neck. And flipped the neck back. And on the front, we said, First Church Building Lives. We'll help you with your census. What are you here representing? The census. The census. Where's the census? It's here. You can't see it. They put on all their shirts. They went downtown. And they got down. You know what they said? It's too hot. We can't. We can't wash it because it's hot. You guys don't relate to that. Yeah, it was a little warm, but not that warm. So there's nothing to do. They canceled the cleanup. All of our people are gathered down there in the, in the deal. Stand up, Brother Christian. He's here. So they just said, hey, let's just sing a song and have prayer. So Brother Christian just took off. What song did you start singing? Waymaker. Miracle worker. They all gather around and start praying. Start worshiping. Other people start gathering around. We're in front of City Hall. The world's falling apart. The church is leaking anointing. I'm telling you what God will do for us. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. You got to go home and do it. You got to get out. God's breaking you down so that he can get out. Here's the testimony. They start singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, to pray, and the Holy Ghost falls. Are you ready? And there's a lady standing there, and some guy comes riding up on a bicycle, and he looks over, and I don't remember the verbiage. I wasn't there. He looked, he goes, eh, cuz. And he gets off his bicycle, and he walks over, and he's his cousin, and they start talking. What do you guys do? Well, we came down to clean up, but they said it was too hot. So we're just singing. He goes, my girlfriend and I have been praying about going back to church. Listen, this is a, this, they showed up. They got baptized in Jesus' name. He got, he got the Holy Ghost. She got the Holy Ghost. I just married him in my office a few weeks ago. They got, listen, he, he had come out of years in prison. You hear me? Years in prison. There's nothing too hard for our God to do. Nothing too hard for our God to do. He went to apply for a job. 
I even told Jim the miracle. He went to apply for a job, and he told them, he said, listen, I, I want you to know, I got a record, and it's in there. If you got a record, you can't hold the job. He said, I got a record. They said, we'll do the research, and we'll let you know. And they ran it. He sent me a screenshot. They went through nine, I think it was eight or nine counties uh, in the state of California that he had records in, and it said, no record, no record. No, I'm telling you, it's time to feed the multitude. It's time to feed the multitude. It's time to say, break us down. Break us down. We want to feed the masses. We want to be a part of the miracle. It is revival time in North America. Get broken and let the work of God go forward. Now, and I'm closing, Brother Kirk, give him hope. Because that's all it is of me is hope. Now we understand why the disciples are walking on the way to prayer. And they get to that lame man. Alms, man, we're as broke as you are. Where's that bread? Where's your loaf? Give me that loaf. But such as I have. You can't do anything with that. Watch me. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. The miracle didn't happen until he pulled on him. We want it to happen when he said it. We want it to be like a cowboy with a six-year. Jesus' name, rise up. He's, whoo. No, until you get involved. Until you reach down and touch what hurts. This is insignificant. But the minute it touches the need, it's all that was required. You know what I'm looking for right now? I'm looking for a young couple. God's been talking to you. You've been talking to your pastor. God put a city on your heart. But you've been figuring it all out because you're like, we, we got issues, we got problems. We, got, we limp. We don't have a lot of strength. I don't know if we can do this till we get ready. I'm just looking for a young couple that'll say, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I'm not afraid to be broken if it'll work. I'm not afraid to take a risk if it'll work. Brother, sister, would you quit going forward for prayer? Would you start going out with your needs? Somebody read it. I'm going to paraphrase it. 
It's all around us. We're in distress. We're persecuted. We're forsaken. But none of it destroys us. It just breaks us down so that he can use us. And my message is simple today. God is trying to distribute his church through the world. But he can't do it unless we'll take the step that's right beyond blessing into broken. Being broken does not disqualify us. It enables us to be distributed by the master. And when he tells his disciples, anybody in here today ever been in communion in your church? Lift your hand. You've been in a communion service in your church. They read to you, take, eat. This is my body. As Christ has done it for the church, the church must do it for the world. Just as Jesus broke the loaves and then gave it to the disciples and said, give it to the people. So the church has to say, we're partakers and we're distributors. How can we keep such a beautiful gospel hid? There's no hope without the church. I know it's afternoon. I've preached longer than I intended. I hope you forgive me. But I'm just thinking today. I think it's time for us to let God put his hands on us. And I think it's just time. Seth, Brother Andrew, Aiden, come up here. Brother Clark Copeland, come up here. Is there another loaf over there? Have you guys already eaten it? Here you go. Go give it to him. What are these among so many? It's all he needs. It's all he needs. The master has need of you. It's the hour of distribution. It's not time for my dreams. It's time for my destiny. Who will go? Who will go? Peter, you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. How can I ever impact this world? Just one evangelist. On top of that, driving a Prius. God have mercy. That makes you sound homeless. I'm not telling anybody that. How are you going to reach the world? 
You just got to let God put his hands on you. There are no answers to some questions. Sometimes all you can be is just so hungry, just so desperate. You want it so bad. So I don't care what you do. Just let me be a meal. Would you go give this away? Would you take this, Seth? The master has need of this. It's already blessed. Now it's broken. Now it has to go. Will you go, Andrew? Don't get comfortable. Stay hungry. This world needs people who will say, I'll do anything you need me to do. I'll go anywhere you need me to go. Make my dreams your dreams. I want my ambitions to mirror your ambitions. I just want to be a part of this solution. I'm willing to go. There's a call today to young men and young women. You want it to be perfect. You want it, everything to be ordered. That's not how God works. He'll take you when you don't know what you're going to do. He'll take you and challenge you. I went through a dark period of God refining me. I'm just going to tell you this last story. I'm going to speak to young people today. Nine months. God shut up heaven. Nine months I didn't hear the voice of God. I prayed. I couldn't feel him. I thought I was losing my mind. The only thing kept me is I was so discouraged. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, I think God lifted the call of my life. And my dad said, son, God never changes his mind. And why won't he talk to me? (laughs) He was trying. I told you I'm a knucklehead. I was on my dirt bike, my three-wheeler out, flying, blowing the wind out of my hair, so to speak. One day, came around the corner, hit a tree at 50 miles an hour, flying through the air. Knocked myself unconscious, separated my shoulder, had to get back on a totaled out three-wheeler and ride it back home. I'm all messed up. I can't work. I finally get healed up to go back to work. I've been laying on my back, and all I know is I don't know what in the world's going on. Just bear with me. I get, I get to work. I go back to work. I get so sick, I end up flat on my back. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm in bed another 30 days. Now I'm really broke. I am so sick. One day my parents tried to get me up, take me to the hospital. I was too sick to go to the hospital. I withered away, believe it or not. You would never know it now, but I was skin and bones. I was a skeleton. I was just wasting away. And finally I'm laying there, and a friend of mine's evangelizing. He drives by, and he comes by to see me. He'd never come by to see me before. And, he's, and the only place he can stay is on the floor of my room. I tell him, man, I've been sick. I'm getting better. He comes in. He gets uh, sitting on the floor in his pallet, and we're talking. He goes, hey, man, why don't you get in the car and go with me to this meeting? I said, bro, I'd love to go. I don't have a dime to my name. I've been sick. I just got over an injury. My shoulder's messed up. I still got scars on my back. I still, I, I don't think I've ever recovered from the concussion. And, and, and I'm sitting, I go, I don't have any money. And my grandfather comes to me the next day and goes, he goes, Jonathan, he goes, I just feel like God put it in my heart. I'll give you $500. I said, thank you, Papa. I got in that car, went to that meeting. I'd been to that meeting many times, but this service all of a sudden the pastor got up and he said I just feel today we need to pray for young preachers and they lined up 
There were so many more qualified than me. There were so many more involved than me. There were so many, but I just thought, well, I might as well get in the line. I got nothing left to lose. I already hit a tree. I already got sick. I'm broke. I got nowhere to go but up. And I got in line. They lay hands on me. Nothing happened. Brother Marks, nothing. I slipped out the side door into their prayer rooms on the side of their sanctuary. And I sat down in a pew and I put my hands on my head. I thought, oh God, you got to help me. And a friend of mine walked up to me never before and he laid his hand on my shoulder and he started talking in tongues and the Holy Ghost spoke to me for the first time and said will you do what I want you to do I said yes I went home and I was praying I could feel God now because when you do what he says to do he'll talk to you and I remember praying and the Holy Ghost said you're going to go south I'm going to send you south, but when you get there, I'm going to send you north. And so I didn't know what to do. I just told my dad, I'm leaving. When are you leaving? Tomorrow morning, loaded my car up, took off. Where are you going? I I think I'm going to Houston. I knew that was a big city. I took off. I'm on the way there. I stop and call a friend of mine. He said, hey, brother, so-and-so is trying to get a hold of you. I said, really? He goes, yeah, here's this number. I called him. I said, hey, so-and-so said you were trying to get a hold of me. He said, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, will you come preach for me this Sunday? And for a year and a half, I preached in churches I'd never walked in. I had a pastor call me from Ohio. I was praying. God told me, these men didn't even know me. I'm going to tell you, young man, I'm going to tell you, young lady, the problem is not that God can't talk to you. It's that you're not willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. And I'm by no means the perfect example. I'm just preaching to somebody right now. The master has need of you. He doesn't need the whole you. He needs to take a piece of you. Who's willing to put it all on the altar today and say, God, here I am. I know it's Tuesday afternoon. I know Brother Tuttle's going to rock our world tonight. But I'm telling you, God wants to put some things in some young people and some young married couples and some young preachers. God wants to put a fresh anointing on some pastors. God wants to help us in this sanctuary. Whether you come to this front or not is irrelevant. The anointing is upon us. I just want you, wherever you are, sitting, standing, I don't even care. Just put your hands up right now. Come on, put your hands up right now. I'm looking for a young man. I'm looking for a young lady. I'm looking for a young couple that'll say here I am I want to be distributed I want to be a part of the miracle I want to be what God wants me to be
up your hands and believe God for the greatest hour of revival that has ever been known in your community. Come on, lift up your hands. It's going to happen because he's going to use us. Come on, he's going to use us.